talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis, and we talked to a lot of football players today. A lot of them. Like a lot of football. It's been a while since we've talked to that many football players in a day, and it was filled with a lot of stuff. We got news. We got interesting little tidbits. We got something that we were just talking about before we started recording this pod here, which I wasn't sure if I was going to bring it up, but the way that it unfolded off the pod makes it feel like I have to bring it up now. So we'll get into all of that on this pod, but let's start with the news portion first. Nathan, we talked with Denzel Burke, Ameka Ibuka, Jordan Hancock, Donovan Jackson, Jack Sawyer, and Tyleek Williams. And we also talked with uh, Cody Simon and Sonny Styles, but Sonny Styles can't go anywhere unless he, I mean, he could technically he go to the transfer portal, but from an NFL standpoint, his college career is not going to be over. He's only played two years and we'll talk with Cody Simon as well about some things, but let's start with that group of third year guys, that 2021 class, these guys who are draft eligible for the first time. So many of them had a decision to make of whether they're one playing in the Cotton Bowl, which is not a college football playoff bowl game, which we have seen across the country at this point. It's become the norm that third year players who are probably off to the NFL don't play in non-college football playoff programs. I mean, North Carolina is dealing with it with Drake May. USC is dealing with it with Caleb Williams right now. Marvin Harrison Jr. last week informed us that he's still undecided about the playing in the bowl game part, and he's still undecided about the NFL draft part, but I guess we can come to our own conclusion about that. But those guys, they're still undecided about their decision of whether or not they're going to leave after this year, but all of those guys said that they are playing in the Cotton Bowl on December 29th. How big of a deal is that for Ohio State? It's a big deal if they want to win the Cotton Bowl, which they do. So uh, it's the one thing that gives them a chance to win the Cotton Bowl. I think if you were to take Jack Sawyer, I mean, regardless, we don't know what's going to happen yet with some of these other guys. We should say that you can actually make a pretty impressive list of guys who we didn't talk to today. And that doesn't mean that they were going to say the opposite and Ohio State didn't make them available. Could be that they um, had some conflicts or weren't around or, or whatever. But, you know, we didn't talk to JT Tumaloa. We didn't talk to Mike Hall. We didn't talk to uh, Travion Henderson. We didn't talk to, I know there was a fourth person that uh, is on that list that I'm, it's escaping me right now. Um, Lathan Ransom? No. Uh, Ransom's technically four, a fourth year guy. Yeah. And Ransom, oh, I, don't think guys. I don't know that Ransom would be healthy enough to play in the Cotton Bowl anyway. Who am I forgetting? There was a fourth well, guy know. from the third year group. Anywho, Marvin. we didn't we didn't talk to everybody, but um, and there obviously are some other veteran guys, uh, whether that's Cade Stover, whether that's Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, Josh Proctor, a bunch of other even more veteran guys who haven't dis- announced whether or not they're playing in the Cotton Bowl or not. But those six guys, it's pretty massive that they would be playing in this game. Uh, you know, especially against a team as good as Missouri. I think it can be easy to forget that this is still, while not a playoff game, a New Year's Six game. You're playing a top 10 team. You're playing a team that is battle-tested in the SEC, has been on the field with Georgia, has been on the field with, you know, other excellent teams and either won those games or went toe-to-toe with them. And Ohio State needs as many good players as it can have uh, to, to have the idea of having maybe this whole offensive line together that we haven't heard from Matt Jones. The idea that you can get 
the bulk of your front six back, maybe for this game. Again, pending the decision of those linebackers, but that you'll have Jack Sawyer, you'll have Tyleek Williams. Um, we haven't heard from Ty Hamilton yet, but that you can get like a big chunk of your defense for this game. It just gives Ohio State a chance to do what it wants to do with this game, which is you know probably in some cases get a look into the future, give some guys maybe some more reps. Uh, as the bowl season progresses and they're going to get more reps in practice and can maybe build towards that. Uh, but also give yourself a chance to win this game as they did in 2021 with the Rose Bowl and sort of take uh, some momentum and maybe a, a, a jolt of confidence into the winter because the winter is always tough. Like it, it, everybody always talks about it. Like you're coming in for those early morning workouts and you're building towards the spring. And there's obviously there's guys who have to get you know, fixed up and, and take time off and stuff. And it could be kind of a drag those, those, those January, February weeks. And I think winning this game could be um, constructive for a lot of Ohio state players getting through those weeks and getting the momentum they want to get into the spring and start rebuilding this for next year. Andrew of those players, I guess if I had to ask you, which of those guys is like the biggest deal that he's deciding to play in the cotton bowl, which would it be? I'm 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 caught between two different players here. I'm caught between Denzel Burke and Emeka Ibuka, and I probably say it is Emeka Ibuka because I think Emeka could come back, and that would I mean both Emeka and Denzel could come back, and having Emeka back though, you're gonna have a new starting quarterback in this game. And you might have this same starting quarterback going into the spring and into the fall. And I would think that if Emeka is going to come back, you would want him to get as many reps as possible with new quarterback Devin Brown, right? Like you want Emeka Ibuka to be in the lineup getting reps with maybe his new number. Like you want that to be the number new number one receiver and new number one quarterback. Like that might be what you're looking at. So them getting reps together is big. And and that's where I would say that. I I would hesitate to say it in terms of winning the actual game. I think Denzel Burke playing in the game is actually the biggest deal for like an individual game. But because he, he somebody's got to stop Luther Burden. Luther Burden's really good. He had almost 1,200 yards this year. Uh, he's one of the better receivers in college football. He's probably going to be a first-round talent in 2025. So in terms of winning the game, it's Denzel Burke. But I think it's a bigger deal that Emeka is going to play because of the potential long-term implications of having your receiver, your number one receiver for this game, assuming Marv doesn't play, your number one receiver coming back and getting together with his new starting quarterback. So I think I would say Emeka for the long-term benefits, but Denzel would be my choice if you say, Hey, Ohio State's got to win this game. Who do you think is more important? I would say Denzel. Nathan, if I asked that same question, would you say Denzel? I mean, those are the top two candidates. Um, mm -hmm. Though I would... Hmm. I mean, Tyleek Williams was awesome. I honestly would pick Donovan Jackson. Um, yeah, but even then, it's like... I think and just looking at who might step in for Donovan Jackson, I think I would pick him and then I would pick Tyleek Williams second. Possibly. Here's, I guess, here's a point that I want to make, I guess, is 
there's a reason why, you know, I guess we just talked to Marvin Harrison Jr. last week. We don't think Marvin Harrison Jr. is practicing right now. Um, and that may be because he's been away from the team because of all the Heisman stuff. But um, that's not who we think is running with the ones in the receiver room right now. And I don't know that there's I don't know that there's a real internal true optimism that he's going to play this game or next year. Mm-hmm. Well, he will next year in the NFL for somebody. Maybe the Bears. We'll see. Um, but we, we Ew, can hope. Do some of us, we can hope. We can hope. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I guess it depends on how what your perspective is on that. Um, well, it could be. It could be with I, a fun quarterback. Could be. Could be. Um, we. I think. I, here's my long point on that. I think it's not nothing that all of these guys are playing in this game. I think if these guys for sure knew they weren't playing, if these guys knew for sure to a person that they weren't coming back to Ohio State next year they would not be playing in this game. I think it would be disadvantageous uh-huh. for them to play in this game. That was true of, of someone like, and let's use the example of Nicholas Petit Frere. And I'm forgetting now um, after 21, um, whether he was, was he a second round pick or a third round pick for the Titans? I think he I can't was remember. third. I thought he was third. I can't remember. My point being that you don't have to be a first round pick to find it advantageous to not play in the bowl game. You get to go start doing specialized training. There is injury avoidance as part of this. You also get to just go start living outside of college football and get on with your life. I know it's just a few weeks here, so that's maybe not as big of a factor. But I just I think it's not nothing that when you look at all these guys who have not made a decision and in theory could come back, like the idea that you could could bring back Tyleek Williams who I think was the second most deserving of all America consideration on this team this year. You could bring back Tyreek Williams. You could bring back Denzel Burke. You could bring back Jordan Hancock, just those three. And, and Jack Sawyer, like bringing those guys back takes you a long way towards avoiding what we thought was maybe going to be a regression defensively. And then the idea that you could bring Emeka Buka back, especially now that Julian Fleming has decided to transfer out. Now Emeka Buka could come back and be, the elder statesman in that receiver room, along with the the people that are coming up in that room that uh, obviously everybody knows about Carnell Tate. We know Jaden Ballard has, has kind of bumped up the depth chart here during bowl season. When Jordan Hancock was asked today about the young receivers and very quickly was like, we're not going to miss a beat except for when Marv leaves. So again, <laughs> more, more, yeah. more fuel to the fire that maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe he has decided. I don't know. But the first guy that he mentioned wasn't Carnell Tate or Brandon Ennis. It was Noah Rogers. And he mentioned him like twice about how impressive he's been. Like, so the idea that Emeka Buka could come back and kind of over like influence that room and oversee it. Um, and, the, and, and, and Donovan Jackson, I think, is important, too, because as we talked about the other day, he's someone who I don't know has maximized his potential. Um we should talk about him individually later because, uh, Stephen, I know you had an interesting conversation or, or there was an interesting interview with him there uh, today and, mm-hmm. and what he sort of encapsulates coming out of that Michigan game. I'm being a little bit long-winded here. I'm just saying that I think I think maybe the answer here is like collectively all these guys is a big deal because mm-hmm. regardless of whether it's whether they're going to win the Cotton Bowl, the idea that maybe this collection of guys, all of them could come back next year changes the complexion of Ohio State football 
for what it could be in 2024, even if you have some confidence about the cornerbacks, the, the, the guys who are true freshman corners who are going to be sophomores next year, even if you have some confidence about these other receivers that are coming up, even if you think that there might be some solutions on the offensive line, guys who could who could move around and, and push up and, and be starters next year. The idea of bringing this nucleus of guys back makes this a better, it's just a better team next year if they can get all these guys back. Even if that means that the other guys that we think are on the fence don't come back. We've seen this before too. Ohio State in 2007, they lost in the second straight BCS National Championship game. And a large junction of those players came back the next year. James Laurinaitis, Brian Robisky, a lot of those guys came back because they didn't like how that ended. Now, they didn't get back to the National Championship game. They ended up losing in the Fiesta Bowl the next year. But we, it's, it's not uncommon. It's a little bit more uncommon because we're dealing with a different era of college football. But the way we've talked about this 2021 recruiting class and how hyped it was when they first got to the Columbus, and quite frankly, they haven't accomplished anything from a team perspective. Individually, a lot of these guys are really good, as good as we thought they were going to be. But as a team, they haven't done much. And when you exclude Marvin Harrison Jr. from this, because he's almost his own entity at this point, but even then, he said that he's going to be at the Cotton Bowl. He didn't say he was playing, but he did say he would at least be there, which Chris Olave was there during the Rose Bowl in 2021. And he practiced that whole week. He just Mm -hmm. didn't play in the game. So he was around still being a presence, still being a voice in that wide receiver room. Which, And if you ask Emeka Buka and you ask Marvin Harrison Jr. and Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith the Jigba, hey, was that valuable to at least have Chris there, even if he wasn't playing? I guarantee you they'd probably all say yes. So whether you're talking Carnell Tate, Noah Rogers, Brandon Ennis, Jaden Ballard, these young guys. Well, Jaden Ballard's not young. He's the same age as Marvin Harrison Jr., but he's young in terms of a football experience. But if that having him there is going to be a valuable asset as well, even if he's not playing. But I, I do think Denzel Burke was the only one who put like a tangible number on where he's at. He said 50-50, you know, whether or not he's going to stay or go or not. I think everybody else has kind of used the term undecided or I'll make my decision later on. I'll make it after the bowl game or whatnot. But I do think I'm starting to come around gradually on each individual guy, I thought, over the last couple of weeks here on what if all of these guys not named Marvin Harrison Jr. come back? Because they get their draft grades back, and they're not as high as maybe we all thought, and they probably thought they would be back in the spring when you were projecting out what the 2024 roster would look like. Everybody's maybe a, a smidge lower than they thought. Plus, you add in the, fa- the Michigan points that a lot of these guys are talking about. Plus, you add in the fact that they've never even played in a Big Ten championship game. Plus, the fact that they lost their only playoff game in a pretty heartbreaking fashion, but they still lost it. They haven't done anything. What if all of these guys come back? And Nathan, you teased at the, the, the Donovan Jackson portion. I'm just going to go straight into that before I let you in here, Andrew. We all saw what happened on the last play, a last tangible play for Ohio State in the Michigan game, where. Donovan Jack, he said he tripped, but the point is he got pushed back into the quarterback. Kyle McCord had no pocket, so he couldn't step through and make the best possible throw he could make to Marvin Harrison Jr., and it gets picked off, and Ohio State season is done. It's done. It's over after that, even though Jack Sawyer used some colorful language today when talking <laughs> about how meaningful the Cotton Bowl is, which is, Jack Sawyer, stay the same, man. You, you've been the same guy since I met you when you were 16 years old. But here's his exact quote. Yeah, I did trip, 
I've been playing it in my head. I've replayed that moment for a very long time, a couple of times. I had to get pulled out of my room by my roommate, Zen. He lives with uh, Zen Moholsky. I had to get pulled out of my roommate, pulled out of my room by my roommate, Zen. And he said, come on, man, you got to get out of your room. You've got to do something. At least look at the sun for a little bit. And I think Donovan Jackson painted a picture of a guy who he said he didn't play well on that last drive, but he had a play and it didn't work. He had a very bad moment to have a very bad play, quite frankly. And that's right there. He's living with that, Andrew. He's been living with that for four, almost three weeks now. And to the point that he's not leaving his room. And it almost reminds me of the Chris Olave situation in 2019 and how he lived with that for the entire off season. And it was part of the reason Chris Olave decided to come back for his fourth year. Now, there were probably other reasons. His draft grade was not, I'm going to be a top 15 pick. It was, I'm probably a fringe first rounder at that point. But sometimes situations like that, losses like that can force people to make decisions that maybe you weren't expecting them to make when you were coming into a year. So what what do you think? That idea that outside of Marvin Harrison Jr., so many of these third-year players can come back because there's a lot of failure, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, that kind of bonds them together and the motivation to want to come back maybe and kind of rewrite some things here. I, Yeah, I, I, I agree that it can have an impact because I think <laughs> I'm not telling Ohio state fans that you'd rather have it this way, but I, I think you could make a case that like Ohio state beats Michigan. They go to the college football playoff. They win the big 10 and let's say they lose to Alabama in the quarterfinal, just hypothetically. I think you could make a case that a handful of these guys who are on the fence would have kind of made up their mind that they're going pro and that they would have they would have had a little bit more of an opportunity. I I look at this as p- the potential it's it's like you know how every summer you have like the meteorologists on the weather channel like there's a storm cell down here in the in the gulf and there's a storm cell here and you could start to see them start I think we might be headed towards perfect storm because there's three things here that I think you could really point to. Number 1, we talked about this a little bit. Denzel Burke Luther Burden is probably the best receiver that he'll have faced all year, at least, right? Like, like Luther Burden is probably the number one guy that Burke will have played, and I get wanting to play him. And Emeka was hurt a lot of this year, and he was also clearly the number two behind Marv. And you could kind of go down the list of individual guys and say, you're right, maybe they didn't get that third round, or they did get a third round grade. They did get a fourth round grade. And they, you know, they are kind of looking to to bump their stock a little bit. Maybe, look, I, you know, I think Stephen and I were talking today. We, I kind of said Emeka's in that twenty four to thirty two range of the first round. That's where I would kind of have him penciled in at. You know, the the range you see the runner receivers go every year. I think you can make a case that Emeka would want to come back and get to the Alave range, get to the Wilson range. You know, get eight picks higher, get ten picks higher. I, I, I think you could make that case. I think you could do that with all these guys. I think. The team goals are certainly another thing. I mean, they haven't, like you said, they haven't really done anything as a team. They haven't beat Michigan. They haven't won a playoff game. They haven't won the Big Ten. And that's got a way on you a lot. And the third thing, which I want to be clear about, because there's been a lot of insanity on 
Twitter about this guy is going to get this NIL deal and he's going to come back. I think the real thing that we have talked about is like these guys might be the perfect group of players that fit into that NIL bucket where you're not, you know, like think about like a, you know, like a Tyleek Williams. Like if Tyleek Williams has like a third round grade, that's who NIL can help out in the trap. It's not to try and get Marvin Harrison Jr. to come back for another year because you're paying him $24 million. It's you pay Tyleek Williams and say, hey, one more year, come back, see what you can do, try and bump your, try and, you know, get another round or two higher, and let's try and beat Michigan and win a Big Ten. Like, that's who the player is. And I think you've just got this whole bucket of guys who might just be in this particular group. And then you throw in the fact that, hey, they haven't really done anything as a team, and you just might have all three of these things, individual draft grades, team goals, and NIL kind of converging into this one big storm that could result in a lot of Ohio State players coming back next year. I I don't think that that's crazy when when you start to break it down and say, like, you know, Donovan Jackson, like, let's say you think he's a third-round pick right now. If Donovan Jackson comes back and has a really good year, maybe he plays between Josh Simmons, who started a whole year and got better as the year went on, and second-year full-time starter Carson Hinsman, and Donovan Jackson looks a lot better. And all of a sudden, Donovan Jackson now is going in the 40s instead of the 90s of the NFL draft. And, oh, by the way, he beats Michigan, and he had a nice little payday at Ohio State. I think that there's a lot of different things you could point to and say, okay, this could be a reason, this could be a reason, this could be a reason. And when you add it all together, it makes guys really unsure. Nathan, what do you think of that idea? Like using that Chris Olave template of what happened with him. And well, that was his sophomore year, but but still that idea of all of these players being in a situation where they're not quite the draft prospects we thought they were going to be. And they thought they were going to be as they're getting feedback. And th- that feedback's coming back right now. And Denzel Burke, once again, he said some of it's been, most of it has been good, but still it's a 50-50 situation. What do you think of the idea of all of these guys potentially deciding to come back because of basically some of the emotional reasons that come along with college football, along with the fact that maybe they're not as high on the draft board as maybe they thought they were going to be. And that creates a situation where, Ohio State's in a much better position, both offensively and defensively, because of it. No, 100%. And I, I can't discount it. I can't dis- because I think when you feel like it's hard because in 2021, those guys had beaten Michigan. You know, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. I mean, Olave had beaten them twice. Wilson beat him in 2019, would have beat him in 2020. They knew that that was taken away from them for COVID, but that wasn't like hanging over that group of guys the way that my, this might be hanging over this group of guys. Those guys had been to the playoffs in 2019 and 2020, got to the national championship game in 2020. Like they had been to uh, levels that some of these guys hadn't, although obviously they were in the playoffs last year. But my, my point being that there was more of a sense of accomplishment as a team for that group than there is for this group. And the other thing that I'm sure somebody has explained to them is that how did this get started for Michigan in 2021? It was Aiden Hutchinson and a bunch of other guys who had NFL opportunities deciding to come back for another year. Now, Aiden Hutchinson had been hurt. He definitely had other incentive to come back in 21 and enhance his 
draft Mecca stock. Ibuka been hurt. Which he did. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I, I'm saying like it's the, the important thing to remember here is all of these guys, the draft, what is the draft deadline? The 15th, 14th, 15th, something like that. J- January 15th. Yeah. The, uh, early declaration deadline. So that's a full two weeks plus after the Cotton Bowl. So these guys can go play in the Cotton Bowl. If you go in and have an awesome game in the Cotton Bowl, that might be the thing mm-hmm. that pushes you across the line to to make your decision. Like you, it's one more data point that you can use to separate yourself. If you're more down in the cluster of mid round guys, you know what I mean. If you're Denzel Burke and they're telling you, well, it could be as high as a second, but maybe as low as a fourth, and you go in and have two picks in the Cotton Bowl, maybe that you know, changes how people think about you and, and reinforces the good things mm-hmm. that people think about you. So that's a thing to keep in mind. I also, there's a small part of me that's reserving, and I don't know any of the guys were directly asked this today. Um, it would have been a little bit awkward, but it would have been worth asking, I guess. Like, like if all of these guys were deciding to leave, like they would just be leaving Ohio State just picked bare at this point. Like you've already got 14 guys in the portal or whatever. And mm-hmm. including your starting quarterback and then to lose all of these guys, like if every single draft eligible guy who is deciding to go to the draft and thinks they might go to the draft also decided not to play like you are dealing with a skeleton crew out there in a New Year's six bowl game. And that shouldn't be any individual's motivation. But as these guys talk collectively and, and that's how they were talking about it today, it's like this isn't a package deal, but they're all communicating about the things that are important to them and their mm-hmm. motivations. And I'd wonder if that's a little bit out there that like, Hey, we not only did, did this team not finish the way it wanted to, to send the team that would be left behind by everybody leaving uh, down to Dallas would be, it'd be pretty thin. And this gives this, you know, out of just respect for the program, they're giving themselves a chance now with this c- kind of group coming back to go down there and, and potentially win. It's not a package deal, but it does feel like a collective decision, the way a lot of them were talking. It did feel very, either all of us are playing or none of us are playing. And to some extent, and now it probably isn't always that reality, but it did feel like they were trying to emphasize that the way some of them were talking. Guys like Jack Sawyer and Jordan Hancock, the way they were talking at times felt like a lot of these guys had conversations about what they were going to do here. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't quite get an all or nothing vibe. But I definitely got a vibe of just that conversation going on of like, we we have, you know, we need, we can't go out like that, regardless of what they're all going to pick mm-hmm. by that January 4th, 15th deadline. They don't want to go out as Michigan being it. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Okay. One last piece of news, and then we'll take a break and get into the other thing we were talking about before we started this pod which I've now teased twice now. And also get the text, 614-350-3315. Listen, we were, as we were talking to players. A lot of texts were going out. Lots of texts. Two-week free trial. So I told you, man, I keep telling y'all, there's not a bad window. Even on a, day, on a Tuesday afternoon when we're just talking with players, the texts are valuable because all that stuff went to your phone first. You didn't have to sift through social media to find out what was said and what wasn't said. You know what was said. Because you signed up for the text and got your two-week free trial, and then you paid $3.99 a month after that. 614-350-3315. Andrew, we don't know whether or not those that group of players is going to be playing football for Ohio State past 
2023, literally the calendar year since this game was on December 29th. But we do know how State's linebacker room is getting a big boost next year. And Cody Simon, what did he have to say about what his future holds and how big of a, a deal is it to get a guy like that, to, whether he stays or goes? Shout out Cody Simon, by the way, for being decisive, making a decision and, and letting <laughs> us know where we got a bunch of indecisiveness for all of these guys. And we're able to tell you that Cody Simon will be back in 2024, whereas for everyone else, they're like, I don't know, we'll have to see. And we're just going to have to wait and hear what they when, whenever they make their decision, which sounds like for some of these guys, it's going to be after the Cotton Bowl. Um, so shout out Cody Simon. He said he's going to be back. Um, you know, he said he was talking with his family and he's, he's happy with this decision. This was a decision he was kind of leaning towards. Um, you know, he said, and to the point that we were just talking about, he said, you want to complete goals you set for yourself. There's team goals that we, I still want to accomplish and we haven't done a great job completing them in the past couple of years. Uh, I think it's a lot of unfinished business. So getting him back is big, and I think it's more than just what it is on the field. You know, I said this in one of our videos after uh, after the interviews today. Look at the line. Like, I understand we just talked about, like, what if all these guys come back? Okay, well, like, what if they beat the snot out of Missouri and a bunch of these guys get the bad taste out of their mouth? And they're like, all right, you know what, I'm going to go pro. Like, you could make the case that this, this defense gets really, really, really fresh, really quick, really green, really quick. And having a guy who's going to go into his fifth year, an experienced linebacker who can put people in the right places. You know, you heard how they talked about Tommy Eichenberg all year long. You know, having somebody like that on the field, I just think is a huge deal because if you're going to replace your entire linebacking core, your starting linebacking core of Steel Chambers, Tommy Eichenberg, you know, you might lose a majority of your defensive line. Like that potential is still out there. You might lose Denzel Burke. You're definitely losing Josh Proctor. Like you're losing a lot of guys who have logged a lot of snaps for Ohio State's defense. And we're pretty good at playing those snaps. So if you can just have somebody there who's kind of like, not to, not to make a joke out of it, but kind of like the adult in the room, the guy who can just kind of put some people in some places where, you know, hey, look, Look, CJ Hicks might be a starting linebacker next year, and he hasn't really done a whole heck of a lot on the field. You know, he'll be experienced in terms of his college career, just not in game reps. And I think you could say the same thing about like a Kenyatta Jackson or like so you just go down the line and think of guys who who are kind of in this boat. And I think that having a guy like Cody Simon would be really, really impressive or will be really, really important for this uh, for this defense next year. So big on the field and I think big in, in terms of what he means to the entire outfit. So that's the news element of this. I think I don't think I'm missing anything from a newsy standpoint. I think that's it. A bunch of players and third year players have decided to play in the Cotton Bowl. Cody Simon's playing in the Cotton Bowl and he's playing in 2024. And we're going to take a quick break there, and then we're going to get into some quarterback talk because we talked with Devin Brown, who decided to tell us that he's the starting quarterback for the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I mean, it's logically that makes sense, but that he didn't necessarily have to tell us that information. But Devin Brown's an open book, man. He's an awesome guy to talk to. So we talked with him, and then we also asked every other player we've talked about so far about Devin Brown, and it led me to a thought process about Devin Brown and comparing him and Kyle McCord and the decision to make Kyle McCord the starting quarterback this year. And I'll elaborate more on that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. And we're back on Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. Nathan, we talked with Devin Brown as Ohio State prepares to play Missouri in the Cotton Bowl. First of all, just what did he have to say about 
how this whole thing played out with Kyle McCord entering the transfer report. From his point of view, what did he have to say about that decision and what it means for him? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's excited about this opportunity, which leads to how he divulged his just in the middle of the conversation today, his interviews that he was doing at the table. He's like, um, I can't believe my first start's going to be in the Cotton Bowl. And then so then I like grabbed him later and was like, so I just clarifying like you you've been told you are starting the Cotton Bowl. And and at first, I think he thought I was like trying to like some kind of gotcha moment. I'm like, no, I mean, just like the way you said that, it made it seem like you have been told. And he's like, oh, wait, did I actually say that? I'm like, yeah, like, because I think he was just so excited that it just kind of blurted yeah. out of him. And I think that's sort of refreshing that you, I mean, he is, he is pumped for this opportunity. And um, now for someone who is, was known to be one of Common Chord's closer friends on the team, he said he was kind of blindsided by the whole thing and didn't find out. He did find out from McCord uh, before it became public, but um, mm-hmm. doesn't sound like he thought that this was in the motion for a long time uh, and was just waiting for it to come out sort of thing. Right. Like it was, it was sudden for him too. So, and you know, he saw the good and the bad. Like he saw that, you know, what Kyle McCord did at times this year that helped him be a better quarterback. He said like watching him learning how he approached certain things or were things he could take away from that experience and apply them to his own game. And he thinks has, has made him better. He also saw the reaction when things didn't go well. There was a lot of Ohio state players talking today about how much they empathized with Kyle McCord and uh, the things he went through this year, basically facing a lot of criticism when things weren't perfect and when things weren't spectacular. And then certainly after the Michigan loss, you know, Jack Sawyer was very outspoken in the things he was saying in defense of him. Uh, other players were were speaking up and, and talking about how how rough it was for McCord at times. So does Zem Brown see that side too? I think he knows that it's a high high risk high reward situation. If you're if, if in terms of like reaction to you, he was even joking about that with us a little bit off to the side. So uh, it's it's a big moment for him. It's a big opportunity for him. The people I talked to inside the uh, the program over the past couple of weeks had sort of said the same thing that, you know, there, there have always been people uh, who have been Devin Brown supporters in that program. And in, in, in terms of the comparison and uh, those people now uh, have their opportunity to, to, for him to prove them right. And the, it has been seen kind of ever since McCord made this decision, it's now, okay, well, Set aside whatever happens in the transfer portal. Um, He is their quarterback for the Cotton Bowl. Lincoln Keenholz is still just not, from a skill standpoint, he's intriguing. From a, is he ready to go play a top 10 team sort of thing? In the in the in a national headline kind of way, no, I I don't think he is. I think Devin Brown is their only option really to start this game. I mean, Tristan Jebbia could, I guess, but that'd be kind of a wasted opportunity. You want to get one of these young guys uh, this experience. So it wasn't like a revelation that he said he was starting, but the the enthusiasm that you could see from him that he waited all year and was prepared all year in case this came up, in case that ankle was too bad for Kyle McCord until he hurt his own ankle, uh, which he said is fine now. Um, 
or you know whatever circumstance he was ready to step in and start and now it's just come later and in a more unexpected way but it's what he's been preparing for all along yeah we were uh, i was having a conversation with devin and then eventually nathan joined the conversation so nathan can attest that he did say this part of it the conversation uh he said with the michigan thing because i think you asked him like you know could you have actually use that package in the Michigan game. And I think he said the same thing under the lines of what he said after the Rutgers game, where like if they, if Kyle McCord got hurt, he would have gone into the Michigan game, but if it yeah. like would have gotten out of hand and they were just wrapping up garbage time, he probably wouldn't have played. He even did this like, when you asked him about the ankle situation there. So it would seem like the ankle over the past, maybe a couple of weeks here has gotten a lot healthier now that they haven't been preparing for football. games. My impression from that conversation was they were not even really, practicing that package ahead of yeah. the Michigan game. He said that it was something that they did yeah. a lot on Thursdays. They would do the install for that and that he was he was practicing enough to stay loose if he was needed in an emergency. But that was mm-hmm. now we're talking about a couple weeks ago. It's more treatment, that's yep. more rest and he says that there are no limitations right now from the ankle. So that was, I mean, that was actually the bigger news from the Devin Brown side of things today. Like we knew he would probably mm-hmm. be their starter in the Cotton Bowl if he's healthy. He says he's healthy. Okay. That's the Devin Brown side of things in terms of how did the backup quarterback find out that he might be the starting quarterback in a bowl game because the starting quarterback's in the transfer portal. Andrew, we talked to a lot of players today. How did they talk about how they found out about Kyle McCord going in the transfer portal? Well, um, I think a lot of them, or at least the you know two of the guys that I asked directly, um, Josh Fryer said that he found out on Twitter, and Donovan Jackson said that he found out uh, on Twitter. Um, you know, you had you had guys X. that com. kind of found out on X dot com. Yeah, it's going to take <laughs> forever to, to stop saying that, but they found out on Elon's Bird app. Um, they found out <laughs> through what, you know, that, that was how that they f- heard about it. They, they woke up to this news. Um, you know, I think we kind of told the story on this podcast where, uh, you know, Nathan woke up at like seven o'clock or six thirty or whatever it was and went, Oh God. And immediately just kind of went into overdrive. Uh, it sounds like that's kind of how the players found out too. Um, you know, it sounds like that they were some. just as surprised as we are. So, yeah, some of some of them found out, you know, the day before or, you know, the weekend before. And but I, you know, you had two starting offensive linemen. It just kind of to prove that this wasn't a, a, a team wide thing that everybody knew. You had two starting offensive linemen find out on social media. So I thought that that was interesting. Um, I'm sure we'll get into what Jack Sawyer said. Um, you know, I know I was, you know. I was over there for that. And um, there was definitely a, a sense like from Donovan Jackson, there was definitely a sense of, you know, Hey, did what was best for him. Wish him luck. You know, Josh Fryer said, you know, I found out on Twitter, you know, it was kind of crazy. I hope, you know, hope he does well, but that's all I'm really going to say about it. Like, I think that there was definitely some not hard feelings, I guess, explicitly, but there was definitely some, some kind of notion that, you know, this caught a lot of people by surprise. And so some people knew, but there were a lot of other people on this team that had no idea that this was happening. Okay. So that now part I'm of it, the conversation I was having. Well, hold on. Just that part Go of ahead. it is odd to me. Just that part of it that offensive line in particular 
felt like they were a little bit in the dark about this. Just is strange to me. Just because I feel like that's a group, other than the receivers, that's like the group that would be the closest to the quarterback. I'm reading into that. Mm-hmm. My, I'm reading into that. That wasn't like conversations I had off to the side with Josh and, and Donovan. I wasn't even at their tables, actually, today when they were doing those interviews. So, um, but I, that just strikes me as weird. That that position group in particular is like, yeah, we just turned on my phone and there it was. After, after everyone else in the world knew before I did. It struck me weird, too. And I was... I was listening to people doing interviews, but I was also kind of walking with some guys and just trying to you know, have normal conversations with people because some some of this is it's very weird that your starting quarterback goes eleven and one and loses to the number one team in the country, and it's like, nope, he's not good enough. He's off. And like Devin Brown, that was the bulk of our conversation, Nathan, yeah. before we came over. It's just talking about the expectation with quarterback and just looking at how this is all played off. Like I think at one point I said to him. Is it not crazy to you that this exact scenario can play out? And it's just like, we're all cool with it being like, yep, that's not good enough. We need to find somebody better. He's like, yeah, it's crazy. I love it. <laughs> He's Devin Brown is, I think, just weird and crazy enough that this might work for him. But the reason I asked you guys those questions, because one was it was important to bring up on this podcast, because we try to give you all the information we can. But... I'm going to bring up the topic uh, I've been teasing about and we were talking about a little bit before we started recording. And I want to make sure I'm consistently being fair to Kyle McCord here. So please let me know if that doesn't feel like that's happening here. But based off of that, the way, as you just mentioned, offensive line and receivers, you would think would probably have known this information just out of courtesy, right? Because you're closest to those people. I was talking to some players. Some of them found out the night before and then that it could happen. Maybe I'm go- I'm leaving. And then that morning, it's just, boom, it's on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call these social media apps. But it just kind of happened. And it doesn't look good when you're a quarterback, if that's how things are being operated. And whether that's fair to Kyle McCord or not, people are going to see, read, and hear those comments and go, oh, Kyle McCord never truly embedded himself into this locker room and took over this team the way maybe you would expect the starting quarterback of a national championship caliber team to take over this take over a team meanwhile on the flip side of that and I'm I understand I'm saying this while understanding that these players are never going to talk bad about their current teammates especially one who's got to step into being the starting quarterback in three weeks I completely understand that but I don't think I've ever heard some of these players talk about Kyle McCord as a football player the way they talked about Devin Brown on Tuesday afternoon when we were in the Woody and some of the playmaking stuff. And so the reason I'm asking that question is what we were talking about before we started recording is it seems like the way they were talking, there was a player's choice for the quarterback this year, and then there was the ultimate co- choice that gets made by the coach. And I know there's pros and cons to both of those situations. But whether this is a fair question or not, Nathan, did Ohio State pick the right quarterback this year? Well, I mean, I don't think we, I mean, we we didn't see anything from Devin Brown in the times that he played that made us think they picked. So that's a better question to ask after the Cotton Bowl when we get to see him in a full capacity. I I just think, I know know what you're getting at. It, it, It was a split decision. Like, I think Ryan Day was pretty upfront mm-hmm. about that. That there was a time in the preseason when 
when uh, Devin Brown actually did pull ahead and look like he was going to win the competition over Kyle McCord, the, the, those underlying skills of were, were being displayed. They just weren't being displayed with the consistency and the, the element of stability that Ohio State needed from its quarterback play this year. Kyle McCord offered more of that. So mm-hmm. that's why he won the job. But the, the idea that like Devin Brown was, and it, Ryan Day said it to us back then too, that he took a straw poll, right, of coaches and mm-hmm. whoever else he was talking to. I think it was mostly the staff. And he didn't disclose the outcome of that poll, but it definitely was not a landslide vote. It definitely was not a uh, unanimous vote. If you were convicting or whatever, they would, the jury, the judge would have sent the jury back to come up with a (laughs) unanimous decision. They were split on how they felt about it as a staff. You know, you had different, differing opinions based on the, the strengths of each quarterback and, and what people in their, from their perspective thought the offense needed. So I also think that this is kind of what we were talking about uh, before we started that players maybe are more apt to see the abilities and overlook the mistakes Mm -hmm. because they make mistakes too. Like they don't want to, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they don't want to be judged by their mistakes. Whereas a coach has to look at what each mistake means when the rest of the team isn't making a mistake, you know what I mean? Like the, the mistake that undercuts the success everybody else is having. And I, everything that we saw from Devin Brown in preseason camp back into the spring was not that he can't play quarterback was that he was more prone to those things, the downside things than Kyle McCord was. So all of that being said, I understand a lot of players were speaking with great enthusiasm today about him. Denzel Burke said something like, Oh, first, first day of bowl practice. He was, yeah. He was on it. Like he had a day and Emeka Abuka was saying uh, positive things about him. Jordan Hancock was saying good things about him. Um, everybody was, everybody thinks he's a good quarterback and nobody ever said that he wasn't. So I think there is some of that element that's going on today too. Emeka Abuka had a great line where he was, cause he had, he'd said some, some really um, positive things about Kyle McCord and then mm-hmm. got a similar question later and then said something along the lines of, um, we don't have time to be sentimental about this. Like it's time to go play another football game. And he's coming back to this game for a reason. He, he, he wants the quarterback to be ready to play that game too. So uh, they've, they've all kind of moved on from Kyle McCord and embraced the starting quarterback they have now, which is Devin Brown. And I think that was some of what was being reflected in the conversations today was them knowing that this isn't a choice anymore. They, by you know, Kyle McCord did unify this team around a quarterback when he went in the portal because now it's just Devin Brown. Did you think this quote by Emeka was interesting at all, Nathan? Before I go to you, Andrew, I'm not bashing Kyle, but something that Devin has that he doesn't is a little bit more mobility. We would always joke with Kyle about stuff like that, but Devin really has a knack for extending the play after it's broken down. So that's something that's ultra valuable, especially when you're playing in matchup games. Because those big plays often come from broken plays. It's not something you've scripted. It's just a reaction of the players that are around you. That ability to extend the play is a trait that really can be can help a quarterback a lot. 
No, I thought that was a. I thought that was just an extension okay. of the way they've always talked about Devin Brown to some extent. I would also quibble okay. with some of the things he said there. I don't. I, I think if you looked back yeah. on the big plays that Michigan's had against him the last couple of years, they weren't on broken plays. They were broken because the defense broke down. Um, go back to twenty twenty two for sure. Um, so I, I what I didn't really think that a lot of the biggest plays in those games were JJ McCarthy getting out and just freelance, and he did a couple of those moments, but it wasn't like what the, what those offenses were built on those days. Uh, but I, I don't think that what anything he said, like I, I have no reason to believe he's being disingenuous and making things up. I think that's exactly how Devin Brown's been described this whole time. I think the problem mm-hmm. was, again, from what we saw with our own eyes, and then what we heard, and then what Ryan Day then came and to the lectern and said was that it just there were too many other problems there were too many turnovers in practice there were too many mistakes in practice and and things that weren't getting fixed on like second time through third time through right it was just a guy who wasn't polished enough yet he's had a whole year of practice and a whole season worth of development time since then i would not expect him to be the quarterback at the Cotton Bowl that he could be by the end of the spring or by the start of next season. I would caution people not to make the Cotton Bowl a total referendum on the quarterback Devin Brown could be. Let's not forget, we don't know how much of his team he'll actually be playing with. Not to discount the first segment of this podcast, but we know almost certainly Marvin Harrison Jr. probably not playing in that game. Um, There's other guys on that offense, Trevin Henderson might not play in that game. Like we don't know all the weapons he's going to have. It could be a little bit of a, a you know, uh, fix it as you go. So don't go too overboard with that. But I think if, if Devin Brown, again, is excited about this opportunity, he's excited to go show who he is and the quarterback he is, because I don't think he feels like even when it was supposedly still, a competition and and they were both getting their opportunities. More of those opportunities went to McCord, um, it both in, in number and in the quality of what point of the game they came. I think he is excited to be like, I'm the guy and I get to go have both successes and failures. I get to come back when I make a mistake and do something right the next time, just as Kyle McCord did all season. I think he's excited for that opportunity. Andrew, what did you think about the way some of the players talked about Devin Brown? I I didn't read too much into it, frankly. Um, you know, be, to be completely honest, I think I think Nathan was saying this. Um, if I have this right, it was basically just like this is what you got, and, and <laughs> he's the starting quarterback, and like you're not gonna say, oh man, but that's a see, uh, that's a very different vibe than, and I, I'm coming at it from. I think we're coming from two different extremes, but this is what you got. It's like, well, you know. This is, I mean, he's our quarterback versus some of the enthusiasm I felt like some of the players had when talking about the way he's kind of conducted himself over the last week here since. And I, I just, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, I think that's a very different vibe versus just being like, well, I mean, he's our quarterback now, so we got to rally around him. I understand what you're saying, Steven. And I think if, if we found out that Brown was too hurt to play and Tristan Jebbia was going to start the Cotton Bowl, that's maybe more the vibe you would have heard there, right? They've been yeah. like, yeah, we're, we're behind him. And it was more than that. It was definitely more than that. It was guys who are intrigued and enthused by what the best of Devin Brown looks like. Sorry, Andrew, you can go ahead. I have a devil's advocate question. How much of that 
is them, you know, them their excitement just because it's the new toy that you got for Christmas, right? Like how much of that excitement is just, hey, like let's see what we got in this guy. Like we like we all like Devin. Let's see what we got here. You know, let's see let's see if this is any different. I, I, I like how much of that do you think is playing into this? Like, let's say it's it's like you get your dog a new toy for Christmas. It's just replacing the old one. They're the same toy. One just might be newer and that might be more exciting than having the old toy. So I don't know. Like, do we think that that's part of it, too, is just this is the brand new thing on the block and this is why everyone's excited about it? I think they could have easily given some of the same answers they were giving in fall camp when we weren't sure who the quarterback was. When they were going, oh, Ohio State's always got good quarterbacks. I believe in this guy. You know, the, the basic, almost press release level of quotes. And they didn't take that route with that. They could have easily done that today, and this could have been nothing. And we'd have just been like, all right, well, Devin Brown's probably going to start on December 29th because he's the oldest guy in the room. And can he use the, the Cotton Bowl to, you know, start to build momentum to be Ohio State's next starting quarterback? Which we're having those conversations anyway, but that would have been the only conversation, and I wouldn't be bringing this up right now. They didn't have to say any of those things. Jordan Hancock didn't have to go, oh, he's a real one, and like almost emphatically talk about Devin Brown the way he did. Denzel Burke didn't have to be like, oh, like immediately, like he's had really good days. He can throw that thing. He didn't have to say, do any of that. And that's, I think, why I'm reading into it a step further than maybe I have to, because they said a bunch of things about Devin Brown today that they didn't have to say about him. Yeah, Ebeka Abu- did say something along the lines of, uh, well, you know, uh, Keenholz and Brown are both getting reps, and we trust whoever Ryan Day picks. Mm-hmm. So there was some of that there. Um, okay. I I agree though. I, I guess I agree that like I I do think that I think part of what you're seeing now though is in the in the preseason, and I wouldn't necessarily assume this was a indication of them not wanting to like rock the boat or whatever. When we were asking about the quarterbacks, it was always about the quarterbacks. So mm-hmm. it was always everything you would say about Devin. You might want to not be too effusive in your praise of his good things or Kyle McCord's good. Th- you know what I mean? Like they were trying to shy away yeah. from a comparison where they talked too well about either of them because they didn't know who the mm-hmm. starter was going to be. And I think that that was a smart right. dynamic as a team to not want to like give any indication that there could be a rift or that there was favoritism or, or whatever. And now it's just the quarterback. They, like I just said, like Tom McCord in a roundabout way kind of did rally this team around one quarterback because there is only one quarterback left and not, not left, but the, the one that will start. And, I think that was maybe a little bit today that that now they don't they aren't restrained by not wanting to articulate the comparison like now they're free to say whatever they want about Devin Brown because they're not causing any sort of a accidental controversy if they say too many good things about him. I can get behind that. Okay. I feel better. That's, my, now that's, a, that's just a that's a theory, but I think it makes some sense no, that that, uh, that there this is a different dynamic now because back, you know there were two quarterbacks and now there are not. Now it is it is now Devin Brown's show, and like you said, like there's there were coaches 
who, um, by by Ryan Day's admission, favored Devin Brown in that competition. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if we see what they saw when we get a full, uh-huh. uh, you know, uninterrupted look at him. I think that'll be interesting for sure because. I mean, we've had the conversation of what it can mean for the future, and that'll continue to be what it is. Go check out that pod if you want to listen to that. But I do think that as you try to put some type of ribbon around this season, if Devin Brown goes out there and he's, I don't know, 75% of what they were seeing when he was the best version of Devin Brown in fall camp a lot of those times, I don't think it would be shocking if there's at least a portion of the fan base who's like, did Ohio State pick the wrong quarterback? Because right now, as you said, it's probably not even a realistic thing to say right now because we don't know what Devin Brown looks like at all. So you'd just be saying that just because, to Andrew's point, it's the new shiny toy. So, of course, you think Ryan Day was wrong to pick the guy. But this is, a, I think, it's what makes Missouri a good t- yeah. opponent here because it's a top 10 team. It's not like he's playing Maryland. Right, he's playing a top ten opponent where we're going to get a serious understanding of what Devin Brown is right now, and maybe the flashes of what he can potentially be. Especially since most of his weapons, not named Marvin Harrison Jr., who hasn't actually said this yet, but we're just this is an assumption, and it's probably you know, I think most people are making that assumption. But the bulk of his weapons right now are going to be at his at his t- at his reach, and so there is a part of this where. Devin Brown can make that a question that we can at least spend 15 minutes talking about, depending on what he does in the Cotton Bowl on December 29th. This is something that I, I do want to bring up as as a way to talk about Devin Brown and the Cotton Bowl, because I think it's a good look that you're going to get. Missouri might have been one of the best teams that they could have played because Missouri's give a you know what factor is high. Like Missouri, we, we when we talked to uh, Eli Drinkwitz after the after the announcement, we kind of joked that he was like a car salesman telling people to get to uh, telling people how to get to Texas. <laughs> he was like, "Well, there's convenient flights out of Kansas City, and you can get there from you know from Topeka, and you can do this and you can do that." And there were all these different ways that he was talking about this game, and I haven't really seen any Missouri opt-outs. I'm sure I'm missing a couple, but like this has not been a thing. Right. That Missouri is kind of having this just like, ah, we have to go to the Cotton Bowl. We didn't get like Georgia might have that. Georgia might have that against Florida State where it's like, all right, we got to go play this game. And Florida State maybe, too, for other reasons. But like Georgia might have that. And I think Missouri is going to give you a good look. And I think it's I think that that might be the thing that I'm looking forward to the most about seeing kind of how Devin Brown handles this is that this is not, I don't think, a bowl game that is just kind of one of these glorified exhibitions, which is kind of what you can get in some of these situations. Even New Year's Six Bowls can sometimes turn into this. You are not going to get that. So I think this is going to be a better look maybe than even I had thought it was two weeks ago. I think if you would have said, hey, if Ohio State's going to play in the New Year's Six, like, "Ah, who really cares? And they're going to have to play. No, I I, I think that this is actually a really good test for for Devin Brown. And I think it's going to be a really good test to see kind of what he can do when when live bullets are flying okay yeah i thought that was a decent discussion about that that's gonna wrap up this pod that was i don't know how we turned that into an hour and five minute long podcast how many times have we said that because probably yeah i know (laughs) sometimes it's still like has me in awe when we actually do it because i thought because you go into it you're like okay this is gonna be like a 40 minute discussion it's like oh no 
This is a hundred. This is an hour and ten minute long conversation. That's the last player thing we're gonna do until Nathan gets down there to Dallas because next week is signing day. But the, here's the plan for the rest of the week: we're gonna spend Thursday and Fridays pods just doing a deep dive into just getting to know Missouri's offense and defense. We'll do Missouri's offense on Thursday and Missouri's defense on Friday, just because. I mean, it's a bowl game, and so I understand it's not a college football playoff bowl game, so I, I understand the interest may not be the same that it was for Georgia last year, but as Jack Sawyer said, man, I mean, it's bull crap. It's, it's the PG-13 version of what Jack Sawyer had to say. So we're going to spend the next two days doing deep dives into that, and then next week is signing day. So a lot of recruiting coverage, a lot of recruiting talk early in the week. Monday and Tuesday, we'll look at the offensive and defensive sides of the ball for Ohio State's 2024 recruiting class. We'll do a rapid fire on Wednesday, and then we're supposed to talk with Ryan Day as well on Wednesday for signing day. So that'll be all next week. We'll just be signing day stuff. So for the rest of this week, Missouri talk and then recruiting talk. And then it's Christmas, and then Nathan gets to go cover a football game in Dallas and watch Devin Brown make his debut as Ohio State starting quarterback. So get the text, 614-350-3315. A lot of texts will still be going out, especially as we get closer to signing day. Things can sometimes get a little hot as you get close to signing day. And Ohio State, I know they're hoping for no fireworks, but you can't always guarantee that. They've typically had at least a couple every single year. So Andrew will be sending out text on that. We'll probably still be texting stuff off of stuff as we go back and listen through a lot of these interviews as well, because we talked to north of 10 players today, and they all had some interesting things to say. Get the text, 614-350-3315, two-week free trial, 399 after that. So for Nathan Baird and for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>